With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome to Space Floor NBA Podcast. My name is Connor Geelan. And I'm Connor Flannery. This is our 87th official episode. LeBron finally returned from injury. Yeah. And he said something in a post-game interview that he says, I'll never be back to 100%. Mm-hmm. And, and to me, it, it, someone said that to me saying... A LeBron hater sent that to me saying it was a sprained ankle, like, and he's yeah. he's being dramatic about it. Do you think? Do you think he was talking about like he won't be back to one hundred percent? Like, good point. Season or like compared to prime Cavs Heat LeBron. I I thought he. I mean, if you go back and listen to the clip itself, he said it in a sort of like offhand way. Very, he he wasn't right. like. I will never come back from this injury 100%, like, like looking at the camera, like, like yeah. very, like, with intent. He sort of said it as, the, the, the reporter was like, how much of, like, how much urgency have you had in getting back to 100%? And he was sort of like, well, I'll never get back to 100%, but. So he sort of said it, I think, like, as if that wasn't the focus of what he was saying. Um, like, the focus of what he was saying was actually more on, like, how urgent and how stressful it's been for him to get back from this injury. And so I kind of think it's like you said, that maybe it's just a past his prime thing versus it's specifically this high ankle sprain. Yeah, man. Also, we got to look out for something. If you look at the NBA standings, yeah, they're falling. Yeah. So presumably they're going to, they, they could be in the play in tournament and that, that would be, you know, an extra one, two, three games on LeBron's ankle for wear and tear when he's already, it's a really eight, good point. When yeah. he's already 800 years old, he can't like, you know, like LeBron, it defies time every year, but part of defying time is also he sweeps the eight seed every year, um, and, and and plays less games than everyone else. I, for example, like when when I when when we made this like note sheet, the Lakers are the five seed. The Mavericks picked up W last night and now have passed the Lakers. The Lakers have slipped from the six seed just in the time that we that we went from playing this episode to recording. The the Trailblazers are now only a single game behind the Lakers. And then after that, the Grizzlies are, you know, four games behind. So, the the, the danger that the that the Lakers fall out of the top eight, I would say, is pretty low. The danger that they fall into the seven through ten range, or the the, the danger that they fall to seven instead of six or five or four, I think is is somewhat high. You know, um, you would like to think that now that Anthony Davis and LeBron James are both back, that they won't keep losing games, but. For a team that we expected to to come out and, and take the one seed this year, um, to be in danger of falling into the play in is is very noteworthy. I was thinking, like, if you told a twenty sixteen NBA fan that Yeah. Oh yeah, in, in in five years wow, that was five years ago. In five years yeah. in five years, uh Steph Curry and the Warriors are going to be playing the LeBron James led Lakers in a play-in tournament <laughs> in the Western Conference yeah. because the game was shortened due to a global pandemic, they would have been like, what, <laughs> yeah, what are you talking about? <laughs> They're like, what? And yet here we are. It, here we are. Yeah, and, and, and they actually lost in LeBron's return. Um, either way, like, 
we're hoping that we get to see I, I, my my guess is that we sort of we sort of mentioned this that like he wasn't so much talking just about the high ankle sprain but more like the course of his career and that like things are starting to sort of add up and he's getting older i think i think it's also partially one of those things where like if he says that he'll never be back to 100 percent it creates like an excuse for the whole season. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like if he sets sort of a low standard by talking we down on like guy. his injury. Yeah. Yeah. As in like if he hypes up how bad his injury is and then goes on, wins the championship, wins finals MVP, then everybody forgets about the injury. Yeah. If they lose in the first round, then everybody's like, oh yeah, but he got injured. He was not be back to hundred percent. Like whatever. Uh, I, I think it creates an excuse. It, it, it is. He's, you know, you could look at also at the, at the other way of like, He's prematurely like setting up, heading, setting himself up to have a way out of, um, of the of the hate and criticism that he might get if the Lakers underperform in this year's playoffs and underperform not by six seed standards but underperform by reigning NBA champion standards. And so on the whole, I think just looking forward to the play in tournament. If, yeah. if LeBron's there, then the the superstar power of like LeBron, my boy Wardell Stephan. And like Damian Lillard as as well, or, or I guess maybe Damian Lillard would would uh, pass LeBron and the Lakers in the standings. Like you you gotta think that the team with the two best players w- would get out. So like the Lakers would get out, but I, I presumably would also hopefully assume it's, that the Warriors get out. It's tricky though, because because I think if you're the team that's if you're nine or ten, I think you have to win two games to get out, and I think if you're seven or eight, you only have to win one. Dude, if if the Warriors have to win two games, I think Steph Curry's gonna drop a hundred points like, combined. Go bananas! He's gonna, <laughs> drop, a, he's gonna drop a hundred points over the span of two games. <laughs> Dude, like after after like last month, you can't put it past him. I I have a feeling that the Lakers are going to like sort of figure this out, and they won't fall past six. Will they pass the Mavericks back out? Who knows? Then after seven and three in their last ten, the Mavericks are actually like really rolling last night. They beat the hottest team in in basketball, kind of besides the Knicks, maybe uh, in the Wizards. Um, I think I think the Mavericks are legit, even though they had a slow start to the season. And, and so, and all the teams above above the, the the above the Lakers in the West, like they might not catch anyway. Um, the, the Clippers are a full six games ahead of the of the Lakers, and even though they're tied with the Mavericks, right? So there's there's a bit of a separation forming um, between like one, two, three, four, five, and six, uh, five, six, seven, and then eight, nine, ten. You know, so mm-hmm. I think that the I think that the Lakers will stay somewhere between five, six, and seven. The four, the top four, are kind of locked in. Um, but if I had to guess, I think the Lakers aren't going to fall into the play, and it's more likely that things kind of like stay the way they are um, because. They've got the momentum of LeBron and Anthony Davis going back. In other NBA news, two nights ago, Jason Tatum dropped 60 points. Yeah. Which I feel like we've kind of grown accustomed to people dropping 60 points, but that's kind of only in the last like five years. Like for context, like people's career high, like NBA legends' career highs are 60 points. Well, I don't always like looking at like the franchise records. I think sometimes those are a little stupid, but like. Jason Tatum, in this case, tied the Celtics franchise record for career high points with Larry Bird. So it gives yeah. you sense. Like, Larry Bird is probably like a top five, ten, uh, arguably top five, definitely top ten player ever. His career high is 60. And and then, you know, there are other Celtics greats that, like, you know, didn't even approach that, right? So so here's Jason Tatum dropping 60. And, and like you said, I feel like it's been almost devalued by the fact that yeah. we're seeing Steph Curry put up, like, 
three straight 40 point games or whatever. But, but to know? clarify, like even Steph Curry's career high is 60 or yeah. is, is 61, I believe. Right. And, and everybody talks about, we still talk about the Clay Thompson game where he dropped 60 and three quarters. Yeah. Um, and for whatever reason, I feel like this game wasn't quite as loud as some of those others. But uh, so maybe like, maybe it, because it, my, was an o- it went mind, to overtime, there's like, a chance that that's why. But but it's so berserk that like a 22 year old, 21 year old, is having career highs adjacent to LeBron and Steph Curry, and, it, and yeah. has a higher career high right now than Kevin Durant, maybe the best scorer of all time. Which is another whole weird thing. Like Kevin Durant's career high is ridiculously low. I think it's just when he goes off, he does it so efficiently that his team just wins, so he doesn't play more. Um, kind of like the Steph Curry effect, but Steph Curry this season actually finally you know pops off. Um, and I mean, fifty four is not ridiculously low. That, that even that's like. I don't know, man. For like a top three scorer of all time, like Kobe's career high is eighty one. Jordan's career high is sixty nine. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I guess. I guess I think that like part of it is is Kevin Durant has a knack for hitting like big shots at big times. Um, but even so, like he averaged he averaged like thirty something in his in his MVP season, like thirty two or something like that. And so fifty four isn't that much more than what he was averaging. Um, so I guess, I guess, I guess it's a fair point, but, but I don't know. I, even that I feel like is devaluing the like magnitude of a 60 point game. Yeah. 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 And, and so it's weird to say, but like Devin Booker as a 19 year old or as a 20 year old, he dropped 70 and that's presumably going to be his career high. So then for the next 15 years of his NBA career, yeah. he's not going to top that one game. Mm-hmm. Do do you think that that's the same thing for Jason Tatum? Be- because again, Unless you're James Harden, you're not dropping sixty several times in your career. Yeah, yeah. I mean, well, like it's kind of like one of those things where the stars have to align. Like you basically just have to not miss for a night. Your team has to. Part of the reason Jason Tatum, Jason Tatum dropped sixty, and I, even though I didn't, I didn't actually catch this game live, but Aaron Neesmith was apparently like the second best player down the stretch for this team because like Jalen Brown couldn't hit a shot, Kemba Walker couldn't hit a shot. I think everybody just went cold, and so it was like Jason Tatum had to do everything. Um, it then went into overtime. Yeah, um, that helps. A part lot. of the reason he played so many minutes was because they, they were coming back from like uh, they were coming back from down like thirty points. You know, so so, they, so he had to play every minute to come back uh, and win this game. So I think it's it's a lot of things that just like went right, and the odds of that happening for Jason Tatum again, never mind anybody, um, are just so low. And that's part of the reason you don't see sixty point games all the time even though i think a player like jason tatum is capable of another 60 point game if he just decided one night that he's going to play 48 minutes and take every shot um it's just like usually that's not how you play basketball and sometimes it just like has to happen that way um looking towards yeah back to the standings again the the phoenix suns passed the utah jazz for the first seed yes which in my mind was never a possibility i thought the jazz kind of had that on lock Mm -hmm. but they've been a little bit cold and the suns have been red hot um recently i mean for the whole season but even more so because the utah jazz have been struggling a little bit dalvin mitchell's been out for like two weeks or something um that so that, that surprised me how do you kind of frame these two teams we talked about it a little bit on the last episode yeah uh, i mean when we talked about it in the past i've been kind of team Suns over team jazz and i and i stick by that um partially because like chris paul is just like absolutely blowing my mind like Dude, right now we I, I were... just think he's during, ahead, during, during, during that game where he yeah. played, where he played the Knicks, we were both like we were like texting back and forth during the game, 
And we were so invested in yeah. the Knicks beating the second best team because, in the NBA. Because they were coming off that win streak. Yeah, and they, they, they would have extended it to 10 if Chris Paul and Mikhail Bridges didn't decide, oh, I'm going to go 5 for 5 from the field in the last two minutes. Uh, and, and the Knicks offense like wasn't that great, but it wasn't bad. But we played great defense on the Phoenix Suns, and it totally did not matter. It did not yeah. matter whatsoever. It's uh, this, this is why, like... Yeah, so I made the, I made the argument a couple episodes ago that like give me the the Jazz as like the team that's more likely to make it to the fi- like make it to the finals or like make it out of the Western Conference or make it to the Western Conference. No, you said you said the Suns. Yeah, sorry, the I, Suns over I, the Jazz. That's yeah, what I, I that's said, what I, I that's what I meant to say as I was just talking too. Um, because I think Devin Booker's a takeover scorer. We talked about you just had a seven, 70 point game. Even though I've also made the argument in the last episode where we talked about our like top five, you know, our top fifteen players in five years. By the way, shout out to Jason Tatum, who is on both of our lists, for dropping 60, making us look good. But I talked about how Devin Booker, like, I think that he gets sometimes overhyped just because of that 70-point game. Regardless, he's still an, an incredible scorer, and that will continue in the playoffs. We saw, we've seen him hit be a be a big game, like, shot hitter, too. And I think that the, 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 the magic that Chris Paul pulled off against the Knicks, I don't even think is anything new or anything unexpected for Chris Paul. It's, it's just an, like... It's an ancient magic. And, I, and I, texted, years. I texted you this during the game. It's like, Chris Paul is one of those... It, it, he just like... There's something about him that like I just kind of believe he can do anything like at the end of a game. Like, when he puts a shot up, I just like think it's going in. And, and uh, there's something about his effect that I think is just like... If you put him on a team that like... It, like even ugh, we haven't seen Chris Paul stay healthy like Chris Paul and his team stay healthy for a playoff run like yet in his career you know yeah. like like he's either been on one not so good teams like did he, he never had a good team on like the Hornets really um, and then when he was with the Clippers it was always one of him DeAndre Jordan or Blake Griffin yeah. was out I think given the chance to have a healthy like one one or two seed caliber like roster I, I'm scared of like the Chris, like the Chris Paul, Devin Booker yeah, sons. Man. Yeah, man, because they, their role players are great too. That's another really good point. Like, people criticize them for drafting Cameron Johnson, but draft drafted Cameron Johnson as high as they did. I think it, they took him at 11 or something, and he's basically a player who can do one thing and that's shoot the three. Um, and it works. Stress but forward. it's perfect. It's like as their yeah. as their backup power forward, right? They've got. I was I was playing with them in 2K the other day. Mm-hmm. At your house, and it was they have Jay Crowder, Frank Kaminsky, and Cameron Johnson, all just like solid stretch four like kind of guys that fit well next yeah. to Chris Paul and Devin Booker. I'm a big Jay Crowder guy in 2K, and <laughs> I'm such a big advocate for Mikel Bridges being like absolutely awesome. Um, he, I think his his like point totals have fallen off a little bit. Like he's averaging 13 right now, whereas like earlier in the season it was like 17. Um, but his impact is still huge. Like. His arms are just like so lanky that it feels like he can kind of like be in ten places at once. Um, and so, look for. I I just think like like you look at like look out for like for the Suns in in the playoffs. I think they I think they like make big plays. They come up when it matters most. I I just think like I believe in them a lot more than I believe in the Suns. Did Sorry, dra- Mr. Ortiz. Did we draft Kevin Knox ahead of Mikael Bridges, the New York Knicks at number we eight? We took or is it Frank? It might have been Frank Milikina. I, I, either way, <laughs> neither way, neither way is good. <laughs> neither way is anything remotely. Yeah, because Mikel was Mikel was ten, and then what, both of those guys were like eight and nine or something yeah. like that. Um, yeah. 
I guess I guess we move on to talking about the Houston Rockets, who, as much as we like, kind of criticize them for the James Harden trade being an L, um, and for what was like pretty recently a Western Conference Finals team kind of falling apart and spiraling into being one of the worst teams in the NBA, if not the worst team in the NBA. I'm double checking. Yeah, it, 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 they the are worst. the worst team in the NBA right now. Um, Despite despite what the record would indicate, I think that the Rockets actually have some glimmers of hope, and that's and that's what I want to talk about next. Um, we just hit on Jason Tatum's sixty point game, and what a big deal that is. We skipped over more than two nights ago, Kevin Porter Jr. posting a fifty point game, about fifty and ten. Yeah, he yeah, that's a good. He had ten assists, and and the reason that that I talk about this rebuild coming out of nowhere. Is Kevin Porter Jr. putting up after putting up this fifty and ten point game? I feel like it's a good time to talk about how they got him from the Cavaliers for a protected second round pick, basically as little as you can possibly give up and get a player in legally. Return. Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah. It's insane that like I think he got he got in trouble basically when he was on the Cavs for like going to a strip club or something like that. It was like some yeah. like small I, misconduct I, thing. I, I, he was suspended he, for I a think few he, games. Like, Threw a fit in the locker room or something. Okay, it could be. Whatever, for whatever reason, like, they, there was some problem, like, with the Cavs, and, like, they decided they had to trade him. But they were giving up on a guy who was, like, the 14th overall pick. Yeah, and, he, he was 30th overall. Oh, he was? Okay. I know at one point he was projected to be, like, 14th or something like that because he was one of the top players coming out of high school. Hey, bro, I, I still you, remember. You make, said in your draft make, deal yeah, video. Yeah, in our first ever S, uh, STF solos, which you, you should go watch our playlist later, um, where one of us just talks about the NBA, I had like five draft steals yeah. and Kevin Porter Jr. was one of them. Yeah, and obviously you've made that look really good. But there's always been some like, I think questions about like his character and things yeah. like that. Like I think that was part of the reason that he fell a little bit in a draft yeah, too. Yeah that, yeah, that was. Um, It's just like, yeah, like like discipline stuff basically. But it, you can't deny that the skill is there. And so if he stays not getting suspended, <laughs> Kevin Porter Jr., like, the the rest of, the rest of the league better watch out because he he looks at James Harden esque for the Houston yeah. Rockets in that in that fifty and ten game and, and obviously so far is not producing the same wins but this, he's been thrown into the situation more than more than James Harden was whereas like the they purposely picked up James Harden from the Thunder in a trade and we're like okay we're gonna make you the franchise player whereas I think like. It's just sort of happened for Kevin Porter Jr. that yeah. he stumbled on the Rockets because the Cavaliers gave up on him, and uh, and they traded the Rockets traded everyone else. So it's like Kevin Porter Jr.'s time to shine, and all of a sudden now he's their leading playmaker. He's taking these step back threes. He's even lefty. It's just like it all yeah. works perfectly. He he was knocking down his threes in that particular in that particular game. He hit nine, which, right? Yeah, he hit nine for fifteen, uh, which is kind of an anomaly, like. He's not. He's not be- usually yeah, that he, good of a shooter. He's not usually that good of a shooter. Um, and so I, I'm hesitant to say that he's like the next guy mm-hmm. because you know, Brandon Jennings dropped fifty. Terrence, yeah, Terrence, that's a good point. Terrence Ross dropped fifty. Corey Brewer dropped fifty. So, I guess you know, you can and you can also just say like yeah, like small sample size. The 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 counter argument is that like he averaged twenty something and and like ten in the G League. And was oh, yeah. like G League MVP, like he was going crazy in the I mean, G League before yeah, the Rockets way, brought him up. This man was in the G League this year. Yeah, <laughs> this yeah. man two months ago was in the G League, playing yeah. against guys who were going to be out of the G League. 
And what? And, and and shout out to Stadium Speak on Instagram, who kind of like talked talked a little bit about this, like Houston Rockets rebuild out of nowhere too. Um, they also picked up Christian Wood this this offseason out of restricted free agency. The Detroit Pistons had the opportunity to just match the contract the Rockets offered Awful. him and decided <laughs> not to. So they could sign Mason Plumley and like Oh yeah. my god. Like, like they did, other they centers. Did, they did sign Jeremy Grant, which like, okay, maybe you're like maybe you don't even regret that if you're a Pistons fan. But they let Christian Wood go, uh, when he was a restricted free agent. And they had the money to bring him back had they not just signed like Mason Plumley. Um no hate to Mason Plumley, but younger, uh more skilled Christian Wood was was it was let go, basically. Um the the, the last guy, Jay Sean yeah. Tate, he he's he was an undrafted, undrafted free agent who signed with the Houston Rockets, and yeah. he's probably been a top five rookie this year. Yeah, he, he's been yeah. he's been kind of like Desmond Bain esque. Yeah, I, and and he's he's got like a little bit of PJ Tucker vibes, and he's like a six four like power forward shooting corner threes and whatever. Um, but just like the the Rockets right now have this knack for for like picking up players that are out of nowhere, and and it's a little bit like Heat esque, like the Heat just have a knack for like making something out of nothing. The Raptors have that, like the player development thing, yeah. and this is not isn't even necessarily player development, but just like, like finding people. Um, the Spurs have always been able to do that in the draft, like taking like second round picks and making them, uh, like, not if not even if not stars, like role players. Uh, the Thunder have been doing that recently. Um, I mean, you're partially this is that's because the the Thunder have nobody left and like Shea Gilders Alexander's injured, but like. The most random people are just like having like big games for them. Like I, it'll be like for a few games it'll be Isaiah Roby, then it's Moses Brown, then it's Teo Maladon, then it's <laughs> you know uh, Darius Baisley. It's just like it's all like it's all shifting around. He's making them names. Yeah, <laughs> and I guess that that takes us to to our kind of like big segment for this episode, which is just gonna be stats you should know. Stats you should know <laughs> from from this season, from the last you know X amount of games of the season, just like. At this point, on May 2nd, 2021, here are some stats you should know about the NBA. I'll start it off with, everybody knows the Knicks went on this this nine-game win streak, because it's pretty much all we talked about, pretty much all the NBA NBA world talked about, because the NBA world is all Knicks fans. Yeah. <laughs> um, but in addition to the Knicks being 9-1 in their last 10, because obviously they went on their nine-game win streak and then lost to the Suns, um, the Washington Wizards, before last night when they lost to the Mavericks, were also 9-1. Most people don't talk about yeah. that, how the, the, the Washington Wizards were, for a lot of the season, not even in the play-in, and now are roaring back and look like they could be making the playoffs via the play-in or via just, like, staying hot. Um, and the Mavericks are 9-10 and after beating the Wizards. and 9-10 and their last 10 after beating the Wizards last night. The Mavericks, again, who... I talked about this when we talked about our when we did our like MVP episode uh, a couple episodes ago. I talked about how how the the Mavericks got through a slow start and since then Luka Doncic has kind of like yeah. righted the ship. They're now nine and ten in their last ten. Just passed out the Lakers in the standings. We already talked about that this episode. So, both the Knicks, the Mavericks, uh, and um, so, sorry, I it, actually I've been saying the Mavericks. It's not actually the Mavericks. I wrote down the wrong team name. It's the Nuggets. Oh, okay. the Nuggets. Sorry, sorry, sorry for the con- sorry for the confusion. Uh, the Nuggets. Are the- so the Mavericks are six and four in their last ten, rolling a little bit, not nine and one in their last ten. The Nuggets, my bad, are the team that are nine and one in their last ten. The Ma- the Wiz- Wizards are nine and ten, nine and one in their last ten before last night. Sorry. 
The Nuggets are 9-1 in their last 10. Behind, and this is the next at all list, without Jamal Murray, Michael Porter Jr. has been averaging 24.4 points per game. Up from, he's averaging, like, he's averaging like 18 on the season. Um, Dude, that's crazy. In his last five games, you know, in the same, like, so in the stretch that the that the Nuggets have are now 9-1 and one in their last 10, in the last in his last five games, Michael Porter Jr. is averaging 29.4 points per game on 50% from three. Ridiculous, that's, right? That's so sorry, absurd. sorry for the confusion with what the team's records are. The Nuggets are absolutely rolling right now, and that's all without Jamal Murray. I mean, because of the production of Michael Porter Jr. Jokic making a very good case for MVP. Yeah, and, and I'll, I'll talk about Jokic in one second because I got another stat on him. I want to talk first about a little bit of Michael Porter Jr. and we and we've been talking about like guys and like the, their future in the league, like these big scores, uh, Kevin Porter Jr., Jason Tatum. Um, what about Michael Porter Jr.? What do you see as like his his future? You know, so he has a few things going for him. He has the fact that he is six ten but plays like a shooting guard. Yeah, he has the shot making ability. Mm. The thing for me that he needs to do is he needs to get more of a space creation ability. That's exactly what I was looking for, yeah. Because, yes, to a certain extent, if you're 6'10 and you're a good shooter, you can make contested shots. But that's mainly the thing that separates stars from superstars. Mm -hmm. But the thing that creates stars in its own self is just creating space to take good shots. And so that comes from step backs, that comes from better handles, that comes from knowing how to get to your spots on the floor where you can hit those shots. Um, and, you know, like, there's no reason Michael Porter Jr. shouldn't be, like, a top 10 slasher in the NBA. Like, he should totally be be getting to the rim mm. every time because he's going to be guarded by power forwards or he's going to be guarded by guys who are smaller than him. And so that's, like, what I envision for him. Um, and I'm inclined to say that he will get there just because, like, how can I not say that a guy who's already this good in six years is going to get there when he's like 27 or 28 or something? Mm -hmm. um, so I think eventually, like, yes, I think he will be an all-star one day, but I think his ceiling is sort of like Chris Middleton-esque in that, like, Chris yeah. Middleton does have the shot-making ability that I think Kevin Porter Jr. has. They have, like, sort of the same length, the same kind of... Okay. Build. So I, I think that's that's his ceiling. I think even I think even yeah even Chris Middleton has has more of like a shot creation thing than, than Michael Porter Jr. Because yeah. this season the Bucks have like late in games, but having Chris Middleton like bring the ball up the floor a little bit more and having Chris Middleton kind of like take over and be the the like step back three taker in the mold of like a a Jimmy Butler or a Kyrie or something like that. Um, for Michael Porter Jr. as you kind of mentioned, it's it's a little bit of the shot creation thing because. On catch and shoots, and when he holds the ball for very limited amount of time, like basically the 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 fewer dribbles Michael Porter Jr. takes, and the few in the in the shorter amount of time that he has the ball, the more efficient of a shooter that he is. Like the, the better yeah. that he is at scoring, and and that's like after a brief like skim through some of the some some of the stats, I was as I was looking at like his last five games kind of streak. Um, you know, do an advanced dive on that if you're if you're interested. But the problem is that. Even though Michael Porter Jr. is one of the best catch and shoot shoot guys in the league, because his shot is unblockable at six ten, like you said, and he doesn't care if there's a shot in his face. It seems like those are the ones that go in for him instead of the wide open ones. Like he's just one of the most like difficult three point makers there is. Um, he's not so lethal as as a like 
I'm going to take you off the dribble and create my own shot. And I think that's what's going to separate him from being like a number one and number two option one day from being like, you know, a guy that Jokic can reliably hit for like five of his 10 assists per game, like in the, in the corner. You know what I mean? Um, Cause as it stands right now, I, I think, I think Michael Porter Jr. is also in the perfect situation where he has one of the best playmakers in the NBA at his center position. Um, and with Michael Porter Jr. out, obviously he's had to, st- sorry, with Jamal Murray out, Michael Porter Jr. had to step up. But uh, I, I, I don't, I don't, I think that there's, there's a chance for someone to look at him averaging 29.4 points per game on 50% from three in their last five games and to be like, well, why doesn't Michael Porter Jr. have his own team? It's like, okay, okay, hold off for a second because I think that the shot creation, as you said, isn't quite at the level that his shot making is at. Um, and so moving on to Nikola Jokic. In game 61 to 70 of the season, which is like pretty recent, that's probably in the last, that's probably five games ago, like for the, and then like that stretch of 10 games. Um, Nikola Jokic averaged only 31.5 minutes per game, despite averaging 35.1 minutes per game on the season and 36.4 minutes per game in games 11 to 20 of the season. And yet, recently, yeah. when he's playing less minutes, they're winning more. That's So that's exactly the point I, I was trying to make in listing the stat is, is the. Uh, the Nuggets are nine and one their last ten, rolling have come all the way roaring back and now are you know the four seed in the, in the in the West where it was lower at one or the three seed I mean and where it was lower at one point, um, all while Jokic is playing fewer minutes and and I think that some that goes hand in hand with the Michael Porter Jr. thing, even as Jamal Murray has been out the way that Michael Porter Jr. has stepped up has meant that Nikola Jokic doesn't have to play as many minutes and the Nuggets can still win games which I think is huge for. Uh, for them staying ready for the playoffs. And I think also might be a product of like Nikola Jokic might sort of have the MVP award like on lock. I think that's the way that, that voters are kind of looking at it. Yeah, man, maybe. I mean, good, good for Jokic, man. Yeah. Uh, another stat, Darius Baisley, the 20 something, like probably 20 year old on the OKC Thunder. Yeah. Is averaging 19.9. So basically 20 points per game and seven and a half rebounds in his last nine games. When Shea Gilders Alexander, the OKC Thunder's best player, has been out for the last twenty games for the Thunder. Yeah, and and, and this is this is sort of what I mentioned of like the, th- the Thunder have just have been like yeah. been having random people kind of step up here and there, um, and that's I've been sort of tracking that for for fantasy basketball. It's been like you want to get like whatever one of the Thunder players is hot for like a couple games and then drop them again, um, and it was Darius Baisley for for a stretch of games there, um, but yeah, Darius Baisley, and I and I saw some people. I know Pierre from Through the Wire, like a couple of years ago, or, or maybe last year, tweeted out something like Darius Baisley has superstar potential, <laughs> and then I, I I responded with like an Oprah gif of like Oprah being like you get like you get a you get a superstar, I said, like, you get a superstar, you get a superstar, because I was like Darius Baisley is not a is not a superstar, nor does he have superstar potential, and yet like it's one of those things where NBA fans love to say that everybody's going to be a superstar. Um, Kevin Porter Jr. is gonna be a superstar. Michael Porter Jr. is gonna be a superstar. Uh, so, so that's a little bit of that was a little bit of me encouraging people not to like buy into the hype of Darius Baisley showing flashes or whatever in the bubble last year. But then here we are, and he's and he's averaging twenty in his last nine but, games. But, but by the way, so that that's over the course of Shea being out for the last twenty games. The OKC, it, it's over the course of the of his last nine games. Yes. and Shea Gilgeous-Alexander has been out for twenty. Yeah, but the OKC in general. In their last seventeen games, yeah, they are one in sixteen. Yeah, they, they have one win. 
Yeah. They have one win in their last 16 Kate games. Cunningham. And by the Kate way, it, it, was, it was three games ago. They went on a 14-game losing streak as well. And yeah. so they're trying to tank for Cade Cunningham. Frankly, I do not think that they're going to pass the Houston Rockets. I think the Houston Rockets have it on lock. Well, the lottery works in mysterious ways. The lottery does work in very mysterious ways. So, like, as long as as long as they're in like the bottom, like three, four, yeah, three or four teams in the NBA, like oh, yeah, they have equal chance. Yeah, that's yeah. Right. I think if they're below, if they get below the Timberwolves, for example, then I think that they have the same chance as the as the Rockets. Even though, as it stands, it's Rockets fifteen, Timberwolves fourteen, Thunder thirteen. Um, yeah, man. And also on top of that, two nights ago they had the worst home loss ever yeah in 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 the 70 something years of the national basketball association a home team has never lost by more points than the oklahoma <laughs> city thunder lost yesterday by, that's by, insane to the indiana pacer do you final know many, score final do you, score 152 to 95 57 that's a 57 point loss at home and, and demonis Simonis, i don't know what he ended up with but had a 20 point triple double in the first half in the first half yeah, man. He uh, he finished with 26, 19 rebounds, and 14 assists Jesus. in only 29 minutes. In only 29. That's insane. That's insane. That's so berserk. And, and shout out to also Russell Westbrook had a 40-point near triple-double, and Luka had a 30-20 game last night. So other, yeah, other normalized. crazy. Yeah, no other one pays crazy attention stats. to those things. <laughs> <laughs> another, another stat I want to shout out. Um, Robert Williams III. I almost made a uh, an STF solo about like players right after the trade deadline, and one of the guys I wanted to talk about was Robert Williams because the Celtics sort of freed up their starting center spot for Robert Williams after trading away Daniel Tice, um, and and it was because even though Robert Williams has been playing sort of limited minutes this year, he's been really really good in the minutes that he has played, um, and so if you translate his stats to like per thirty six minutes, they look a lot better. Um, but what I, what was interesting is that like both his stats and minutes peaked in games 41 to 50 of the season. And, and the reason I'm using these like one to 10 kind of like ranges is cause it's easy to track on NBA.com as like, like different points in the season, but games 41 to 50 were right around the trade deadline. So his, his, his minutes and stats peaked right around the trade deadline. And that's when I almost made a video about like, here are the guys that are like, you know, their stock is going up after the trade deadline, basically because same thing with like Wendell Carter Jr. Like he he started putting up bigger numbers right after he got to the Magic, and since then it's kind of slowed down. Um, he was he went from averaging like ten points in the Bulls to averaging like sixteen on the Magic, and now he's like back down to thirteen. And for Robert Williams, it's it's something similar where he went from like below twenty minutes per game up to like twenty five, and now he's back down to like twenty one. Um, and I think that might be partially because like the Celtics have been giving Tristan Thompson more run, but. It's interesting that they, they kind of like freed up their starting center spot for him by trading away Daniel Tice, and now they sort of slowly taken those minutes back away. Um, so because his because his minutes and stats actually peaked in games forty one to fifty instead of peaking, you know instead of instead of maintaining like the level that they were right after the trade deadline. Moving on, Nerlens Noel, yeah, is averaging more blocks per game than Anthony <laughs> Davis, Giannis Antetokounmpo, Joel Embiid. And Bam Adebayo. By the way, like by a lot. So so by I was looking this up. So Nerlens Noel is at two point two. Anthony Davis at one point eight. Giannis and Joel are at one point four, and Bam Adebayo is at one point one. Look up the rest of the other like defensive player of the year candidates. Rudy Gobert is averaging two point eight, which is more than Nerlens Noel. But really noteworthy. We've been talking about the Knicks. We talked about Nerlens Noel in the Knicks the Knicks uh, like win streak video or, or, or episode. 
Um, he's been like a really big key to how good we've been on defense into our nine game win streak that we went on. And the, the, the stats reflect that. Yeah, man, he's, a, he's stifled anything, <laughs> anything remotely near the paint. Nerlens yeah. Noel is going to get a hand on it. Mm-hmm. Um, speaking of which, in the last 10 games for the New York Knicks, Reggie Reginald, as we call him, Bullock, yeah. is, is making more threes per game. He is shooting the ball in the basket from the three-point line more than Damian Lillard. He is making that more than Damian Lillard, on less attempts per game, on on one and a half <laughs> less attempts per game. So he, it's 3.63 per game versus 3.5 threes per game on 8.2 attempts versus 9.8 attempts. Yeah, so Ridiculous. like, again, like the, the 3.6 versus 3.5 is marginal, but he's doing it on a shot and a half less a game. Like he's flat out more efficient. He's averaging like, or he, he's averaging for the past 10 games, like 45% from three. Mm. Like that, that actually, that changes an offense. Yeah. It does because yeah, seriously, it, either you can't leave him, and that opens up driving room for everyone else, or you know you you if Julius Randle barrels into the paint, if you give Reggie Bullock a little bit of room, that's three points, and you're back on defense. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I want everybody who's sitting at home listening right now, take a second, think about who's leading the league in assists right now. Think about it. You might be like, oh, you know, Luka Doncic, Nikola Jokic, LeBron James. James Harden, maybe. Yeah, the one guy that you and it was James Harden for a lot of the season. That's a good. That's a good one. One guy that you're probably not thinking of, but who has made his return to the top of the NBA's assist ladder, Russell Westbrook is leading the league in assists per game right now. Hey Amen. Honestly, like that actually doesn't shock me. I don't know why. It shouldn't. It shouldn't because like he's done it before. Uh, and 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 over this like the we talked about how hot the Wizards have been. They're like you know nine and two in their last eleven. Um, Russell Westbrook's been going kind of nuts. Dude, I'm playing him in fantasy right now. I'm going <laughs> to lose because I, yeah. by the way, I traded Russell Westbrook for, for, Giannis? for Giannis. I mean, there were other trades involved, but like, and Giannis was injured last game and Westbrook's averaging a triple double right now. Nuts. And I'm going to lose in the playoffs. So that's that one. That one was actually thought I, I thought was interesting. Like Russell Westbrook kind of caught me off guard with that by leading the league in assists. And the last one I have um, is OG Ananobi. You know, uh, if, if you're a longtime fan, I've picked OG Ananobi two years running to win most improved player. <laughs> uh, he has. The second, time, the second time it was kind of like as a shadow to the first, but... <laughs> but it, the infamous first. Let's go. Uh, I want to give myself some credit here because I think if OG Ananobi was doing this for the whole season, I might actually have been right. OG Ananobi, in his last five games, and this is the reason I picked this stat... Uh, in his last five games, OG Ananobi is averaging 23.6 points per game on 44.7% from three. For context, he averaged around 11 points per game last season and is averaging like 15 or 16 this this season. But no, he's up to almost 24 points per game on f- almost 45% from three over his last five games. So big shout out to OG Ananobi, my boy, my most improved player in, oh, in my heart, in my heart. I'll pick him next year too, probably. And lastly, just for some non-trend facts, <laughs> uh, the Minnesota Timberwolves, as of last month, it might have changed since they've gone on a win streak, but as of last month, um, they've lost so many games this year that they are now the all-time most losing franchise in all of the in all of the three major sports in all of the major American sports, passing the Tam- the Tampa Bay Buccaneers as now the all-time 
worst by win percentage. Wow. That's great. Cassius Stanley, when he participated in the NBA dunk contest, had never completed an NBA dunk. He attempted two yeah. and missed both. Um, <laughs> so he still he still yeah. hasn't. Yeah. Kevin Durant has more career tweets than he does career points. And lastly, George Hill has his own personal zoo. It spans 850 acres and boasts a variety of animals, including zebras, kangaroos, antelope, and ostriches. The animals roam wow. around freely and are tended to if they appear sick or injured. What a great guy. Those are a lot of stats that I bet you didn't know, and now you're glad you did. Now you know. And thank you so much for watching. Uh, follow us on Instagram and Twitter, at Space the Floor. And if you're watching on YouTube, like and subscribe. We're also on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. And thank you so much. My name is Connor Geelan. And I'm Connor Flannery. And see you next time. Peace. Shout out to George Hill's Ostriches. Shout out to Oji Ananobi, most improved player.